because you can't grow creativity if you don't have trust. The first friend you get is the janitor. I just feel like it's time to, to do something about that. It's insane, it's wild, it's way too ambitious. They're gonna be the new heroes because... Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode. I'm here today with Anne-Eline Sorensen, the founder of the Great Caribbean Barrier, owner of Isun Studio, and a great designer who is an agent of resilient expansion. Happy to have you here today, Aline. Thank you for having me. So, your career in design started almost 50 years ago, and yeah, it's impressive. So, please tell me, what were the most important points in it? Well, I have a couple of degrees, and they certainly have been... Um, they, they've been quite pivotal because my first degree was as a chaos pilot, which is an entrepreneurship education, uh, social entrepreneurship, uh, cultural entrepreneurship, but at least back in those days. This is a long time ago. It's almost, well, yeah, 30 years ago that I, that I started there. Yeah, I'm, I'm that old. Um, but then I did, after that education, I did eight years in film, TV, focused a lot on, on, on documentary, making uh, the, the human story was my was my drive. And then I kind of took that into design and I wanted to, to be more creative in, in the solution scoping of things. So I took that into design, went and got a design degree um, from some great institutions as well. And, uh, and then ended up after that starting to work first a little bit in, as a, as a, in interaction design. I did that a bit. And then I moved sort of gradually into more design, identity work, uh, uh, branding. And then sort of sitting on the, you know, the top of the hierarchy and, and being, you know, can I even go further as a designer? I'm kind of at the top of my game here uh, commercially, right? As a senior creative director at the time at a big global brand. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> I think I need to think about what I can do to, to actually care for what I care for the most, which is nature and the environment. Um, I grew up in the nature's countryside, uh, vast moors around me, and it was I ate dirt by the handful, and, and uh, which is why I'm never sick, by the way, I, I guess. Um, but um, it was I just remember that enjoyable feeling of shoving it into my mouth and just munching away, happy little. <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm literally never ill, but um, knock on wood. Now I will be, I guess. But. Um, but so, so after, so, so these are all important elements that then took me, you know, to sort of pull the plug and say, I'm going to leave this industry now, um, free falling into a sabbatical, took me to Hawaii, uh, spent there some time there. I went for the whales. I ended up with a bunch of other things happening. And of course, as things go, and that snowballed into, uh, just getting into this global network of, of, of regenerative people working in conservation, working in finance, working in blockchain, working in all of these things that are trying to actually, well, create a, a bit of a world renaissance, as it were, in terms of how we shift from, from the death economy into possibly what some uh, uh, it's calling like the life economy. Is it John Perkins? He, he wrote a great book about this. I can recommend that to anyone. Touching the Jaguar is his latest book. Super big recommendation. So anyway, working with this new, yeah, 
That's that's a really good. That's a good one. He used to be a hit, economic hitman for the big corporations, helping the United States with doing all their, you know, dodgy loans for the developing world. And uh, so anyhow, and then he he had you know he realized a few things, and then he started to use his insights on, on how to change economies into then. But then, what do we do instead? How do we move away from, from the extractive economy of, of pulling out resources and just using, using, using without putting anything back? And then how do we then put that into a, a new perspective that actually benefits people, you know, the planet and the economy, right? So there's that triple bottom line um, economy system framework to it as well. So that then turned into this kind of seven-year education for me because you have to learn a lot of stuff to, to be in these conversations. You do have to you do have to understand what systemically is going on so that you can change it. So that was kind of that. That's a very long-winded answer to your very uh, short question, though. But that, I think those those that's the, the the broad perspective of my journey so far. Yeah, like we have to take accountability for what we do, and it's awesome that you made that transition from the kind of corporate world to the one that's yeah, that's serving the planet, serving the environment, and yeah, giving something back. Because I'm also from the country and I know the taste of dirt. <laughs> so <laughs> I can be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why it was so funny for me. <laughs> and so what's your favorite sector or what's your favorite place to work on? So here's the thing. It's that it's a jolly good question. Because it doesn't exist yet, you know, it's, uh, um, so I, and I guess, you know, there is a movement, you know, trying to build this, I suppose, I'm not the only one thinking this, but what I want to be doing, what I want to have create as a sector, as a very well-established sector, is the sector that, that, that fills in, bridges the gap between nature conservation and then corporate innovation, right? Because, I mean, there are so many things that we need to be doing on this. And at this stage, it really is all hands on deck. Now, I think most people have woken up to the fact that, okay, shit is going down. We got we to gotta act on this. This is, this is, I mean, it, there is no bigger problem to solve than what we're doing to the planet because we're not going to be here if we don't try and solve this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so um, but, but, but the old industry, the, the, the death economy, so to speak, right? they're kind of stuck in their old ways of, you know, they, they want to keep the machinery running, right? They, yeah. they, they have responsibilities, stakeholders, to the profit. Yeah. They to the invested in it. It's great. Let's it's, keep it it's going. It's a whole thing, right? And they have power and they have money, right? So they're comfortable and they're quite well, you know, sat there. And then on the other hand, you have all the people who work in the front lines and they see the effects of this. They have to battle the effects of the humanitarian catastrophes increasingly every year, with, you know, climate change causing these massive events worldwide in terms of extreme weather. I mean, if it's not burning, it's flooded. And if it's not flooded, it's blowing away. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not good. Right. So, so one of the things that can help shift these companies, I think, is if we start to affect the markets. So if, if we drive market change in terms of better products, you know, having sourced better, you know, and, and thinking about where things come from, replacing 
uh, harmful industries and, and, and working with them instead of maybe, you know, if we can, we can work with them, right? If, if, they're, if they're willing to, to collaborate, we should. Uh, and if they're not, we have to make them go away somehow, right? Because it's, it's, just, not, it's just not sustainable for anyone that these things exist. Um, so so we, can, we can kill them with kindness in the sense of, of shifting the markets around them. Uh, just, I mean, as a, as a one little tidbit, I think I read that um, the increase of organic food and beverages is going to increase by 16% per year. And so coming up to, I don't know, in the billions of US dollars, right? So so the 16% increase a year, that's a pretty good market, right? Yeah, that's and a that's, lot. That's the organics. And that that it's not, not just for the organic products, right? It, it's, this is a push for, for making sure that the footprint is a responsible regenerative footprint that is planet positive, as, as, as some fantastic colleagues of mine are, are calling it as. So if you think of the planet as a, it's almost like a balance sheet, you have to make sure that the accounting is right. And, and we can't just be carbon neutral anymore. We have to be cost. We have to give more back than we're taking because we're way, you know, over all the, all, all these like a few so, weeks back, I was watching this movie Sea Piracy. Yeah. About fishing, like I wasn't aware that it's such a big problem, but yeah, it's only in the seas and all the other things that are going on, cutting down trees and you know everything in every country, in every industry. Like there's so much that we have to do. To keep the world going, if we want to, yeah, our children, our grandchildren to live on Earth and not on Mars. No, I know. It's like calling all missions back to Earth over here, yeah. right? It's just like, stop. You know, it's fine. I, li I love the notion of going into space, all of that. I'm behind it. I'm with it. I'm, you know, for it. And <laughs> calling all missions back to Earth because we have a burning, literally, mission here that we need to solve, right? You're absolutely right. It's the oceans are massively uh, just in and of itself. Um, it's just it's just not prioritized enough because it is so vast and people don't really know how to do it, what to do about it. And also the Sea Spiracy movie. It's it's not. It's a little the, the bias, the vegan bias that is in that movie is a little skewed. Uh, it's not a full picture as well. So. There's just so much misinformation out there. There's so many conspiracy people who, you know, throw the hat in and now is the time for them to rise and shine. And it's just, aye. Um, so so we, we got to have sign, scientists in the mix as well to make sure that we're all, you know, <laughs> staying on the straight path of, of actual data. And how can so, so, design yeah. help there? Huh? How do you see design affecting all this change? How it plays yeah. into it? I think what do, first of all, it depends on what kind of designer you are, right? If you're a fashion designer, please go ahead and help not create fur coats anymore. Like, please go ahead and, you know, it's such a destructive to the environment process of making clothes and making leather and all of these things. Yeah, try to use less um, water. So, so that's specifically, like, but, but then the type of designer that I am, it's, 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 uh, which is uh, a systems designer, big solutions, big thinking kind of designer. I don't, really know that I have a name, which is why I'm calling myself an astronaut, which is super weird, but it's, it's kind of basically, well, calling all the nations back to Earth, I guess. But um, the, the, the way that design can help 
is by creating alternative solutions. Because that's what creatives are, right? They, they, they have to, there's a lot of people just complaining and criticizing and it, it's leading to this climate depression, right? People are super bugged down because they don't know what to do about things. And this is how design can help because if design is well done, right? It, it, it's making people's lives easier. It's one of the big, big things that, that design could and should do for people is, is to, to, you know, create better touch points for interaction with so-and-so, um, make better experiences in terms of this and that, make products that are actually regenerative goods on all levels, make sure they come from the ethical, reliable, sustainable sources and the production is fine. The, the, instead of supply chains, we create value webs where it's not exploitive and so forth and so forth, right? It is so complex and massive. And I think... If we can provide alternatives and if we're good at telling the stories about what those alternatives are, then that I think is, is, is the most, um, is, is, I, think, I think actually designers and creatives, engineers, architects, like these people who actually look at challenges, find alternatives, they're going to be the new heroes because it is such an gigantic task to solve these issues because they are like beyond anyone one person's reach we have to collaborate across a bunch of silos and then we have to figure out how to work creatively with these challenges and and for me who's done creative leadership for 30 years i'm just seeing that this is the time to help people come together um, and talk about these things in a new way and often enough, you're in a situation and then people are asked directly, you know, about what they would, you know, what they see as solutions. And then like, why has no one ever asked me that before? Like, like yeah. well, but let's, let's, um, let's do this together. So I think uh, design in, in all its aspects, design is creating what is, doesn't yet exist, right? Yeah. So if we are then the people who shaping, literally shaping the future, then it's our duty to shape something that is actually within that regenerative lens, so to speak. And I think that's design is absolutely essential. Thinking about ways, new ways of doing things, thinking about things in a new way, you know, it's, it's, it's that creativity and putting just all of that power onto specific challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Like I believe that, Developers and designers should work together, and maybe, yeah, all those software houses that are, are are there out there, all those companies, yeah, focus a bit less on that consumerism, on yeah, creating the next Uber or creating the next Lyft or whatever, yeah, look at something that can bring positive impact to the world, like you have the power, you have the resources. Like, even if you have people on the bench that don't have a project right now, they can do something for the world. It can be a great marketing tactic for you later, but yeah, focus on having a positive impact. Yeah. No, it's true, right? Everything is community. Um, having, having people come together around this, I think, would be very empowering for the people. If you're sat there alone on a bench, right? It's like, how do you even get into all of this stuff and just as a side note, I, I've, I've seen a little bit in, in for developers that 
I had all those years in the film industry, and of course, there people are used a lot for free labor, um, and it's just kind of a way to finance movies, which is you know not very cool. So, and I kind of see a little bit of so I've seen that. I don't know how prevalent it is now. I've kind of lost touch with the, the the layer of development these days, but I I would would not want to see good developers go exploited. I mean, we don't want to, if we agree that we don't want to exploit nature, I, I don't think that we would want to exploit people either. Right. So, yeah. so I would, I would love if they were to see again, governments fund incubators for these types of projects so that these people weren't sat alone on a bench, but had a place they could go to and say, you know, I, I have this project. I have this idea. Can I sit here? Can I be part of this? Can I get, you know, just a minim- minimal wage, just to make sure that I can, you know, pay a, a, a modest rent and then get going? I think that would be that would be an EU task uh, in this context, you know, a state task in, in the US and so forth and so forth, right? So, so I would, I think, and that's part of the new change that we need to create. We need to create way more connection. We need to create way more opportunities for people to get less isolated. I mean, especially now after having sat like this for ages now. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was just a little side note because I don't like to see anything or anyone getting exploited and I don't think it's good for anything. Yeah. The problem with most projects is that yeah, they have to bring, bring money. Like in the end, it all goes back to the money. So... Yeah, we have to somehow communicate that yeah, if we, I don't know, shorten the supply chain for some things, it will bring you money and it will be good for the environment. And, no, and yeah. I think those are great arguments, actually. And also imagine if it wasn't just about the money, maybe we, if we could have parallel tracks, now we might be moving into crypto and all of these things, but where we did have a, a different way of also being part of an economy that wasn't so transactional it was only just about you know coin to coin but it could also maybe there was bartering maybe there was a local community that could support you in terms of whatever you generate from whatever you do that then gives you benefits through blockchain or something right so i just i I would just love to shake it all up and start to see some proper systemic innovation on all of this so that not so many people are struggling and that's not helping anything either, right? So, yeah, there's plenty of challenges out there, but there's always a solution. If there's a problem, there is a solution. You just have to shift the mindset and then think about it in a new way. So I have a nice follow-up question on that. So if I gave you a billion dollars and you can work on solving any problem, what would you work on? I Well, first of all, I'd make sure that we would really get off you know, uh, have a flying start with the uh, the Great Caribbean Barrier um, because yeah. that the, 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 that project is about creating coastal resilience in all of the Caribbean, right? Yeah. And then I continue creating coastal resilience in in, in globally. A billion dollars not going to cover that, um, but then the return is going to come back because we're financing it through all these credit um, uh, programs. Uh, however, um, so that certainly is one thing. I mean, biodiversity is, is honestly, it is such a big issue that we need to solve. And, and you could do a lot with a billion dollars to make sure that that is, is, is getting better. Can you tell us a bit more about the Grand Caribbean 
barrier? Yeah, it's it's um it started uh, on the back of these hurricanes that hit again in, in the in Central America last year. Um, they get pummeled more or less every season, but it's just with such increasing force now. I just felt like it's time to to do something about that because it's it's affecting so many people in countries that are already struggling with so many uh, issues, right? It's it's, it's so. The Central American countries and then all of the Caribbean islands. It's it's like a thirty-five territories and nations all together. So so we're a uh, sort of a, a coalition of partners um, that have come together then to solve the challenge of these these disasters that come in the wake of these extreme weather events, right? So what we're doing. Is I was thinking about, you know, some people reached out to me and like, Elena, everything is flooded. Um, what are we gonna do? Like, you're calling me. I'm I'm sat here. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know what what needs to be done, right? And then then the process of listening starts, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, and then it kind of just came to me that okay, we need to do this thing. And I, I created the concept of of creating this belt of 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 um, creating natural resilience, enforcing the natural systems from the coral reef all the way up to the water catchment. Um, so that means the ridge to reef concept has been talked about um, for a little bit, but, but it's, so the ridge is like the mountaintop, whatever, where the water starts and then it will, you know, this river goes down, there's a primary forest up here, there's an agroforestry area, if we're lucky, you know, or agricultural land here in the middle. Lots of pollutants going in the rivers usually, because uh, a lot of these these countries have been plagued by monocrop culture, such as oil palm, banana, all of these big corporations that came in, you know, saving them, making jobs for everyone, and now they have completely destroyed soil. They've lost most of the jungle, so forth and so forth. Um, so it's <laughs> and you know it's just you know so we need to diversify agriculture and all of that. So that's part of the program. Then we have coastal interventions in terms of, you know, all sorts of things that needs to happen, especially in terms of indigenous communities, because they quite they tend to be quite, you know, centered in, in these areas. And then we have mangroves is a big part of it, seagrasses and then coral reefs. So from coral reef to, to pristine forest, like we have this belt of interventions where we then are partnering with whomever is already doing that in these countries. So okay. We're so say that so we have the, the agroforestry, for instance. So we have these great this great system called Inga crop Inga cropping, which is a, a, a tree that grows really quickly, and then it 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 uh, it can help family not go slash and burn, go cut down a tree and burn it down, right? And so which happens a lot, which is why a lot of the forest is, is disappearing. So. And and with with these, it's like a multi-layered thing. So they can grow many types of crops. So it diversifies the agriculture. It's sustainable. It grows better if it's organic because you have soil renewal and so forth. So it's an incredible system. The people behind it are absolute geniuses. And so we're we're piloting this in Honduras in a place that we've all worked in um, on on several locations. So it just kind of happens to be. That place where this this uh, this this is being, yeah. For some right, some reason, it's manifesting there. We've all oh, I work there. Okay, <laughs> I also work there. Okay, cool. 
So we have, and the same with mangroves, the best of the best is, is already doing work there and the coral reef, right? And, and some ecotourism uh, partners and so forth and so forth. So we're looking at, at terrestrial interventions. We're looking at marine interventions, coastal interventions. And then we're looking at then the economic boosters that we can help to, to introduce in the communities so that they can have the livelihoods that they need to feed the families so that they don't need to exploit nature uh, or go work at a monocrop plantation. Um, so, so that's kind of the, that's, that's the, the project in and of itself. Well, we have this kind of buddy system going. So we partner with a local partner for each intervention area. We have a local partner and then we have an international partner. And then they work together to learn, to have this mutual beneficial learning process. And then the international partner then goes on to the next area and then implements what they just learned from there and then so forth and so forth with the new local partner. And then, you know, so that's kind of how, how it scales up. So we have two pilot sites currently, one in Honduras and another one in Belize. And yeah. yeah. It sounds very big and so complex, but at the same time, it's so meaningful. And it's, can... it's insane. It's wild. It's yeah. way too ambitious. And, and it's bigger than any of, any of us. And no one, you know, we, we can only do this if, if we have enough hands yeah. uh, helping out. But, but yeah. those ambitious projects, they... Yeah, they can change the most. So we have to aim high to achieve great results. That's what we're hoping. I mean, it's the right thing. It, that's the thing, right? It's, it's No one can argue that it's the right thing to do. So we're just trying to figure out how the heck are we actually going to do this? Because this is yeah. it's super complicated. <laughs> yeah. Complicated, yeah. interesting, and I hope you will get as much attention as possible. Because yeah, it has a meaning. So. What would you say are the qualities of good design? Well, I think, as I said before, I think I'm a big proponent of making it easy. Right? Make it easy. Just always make it easy. It's, it's like lower, lower the threshold because people are always going to do easy if they can choose that. Um, and that's, you know, from everything to just, I mean, make an interaction. Why have 10 steps when you can have two? Like it's like really thinking about all of these notions of what's the easiest route to take here. Um, and then I think another one is, is providing beauty is actually important for design because it is giving shape to something. And I think with beauty, I mean, I mean, I mean, literally, I think beauty is good because we love what is beautiful and then we protect what we love. There's, there is a notion of that in there that I, that I think is actually has a lot of value. But I also mean it in a, in a figuratively speaking, right? Because I, I, would, I, I was working on a, I was helping Copenhagen municipality develop a new recycling uh, system in, in apartments, right? We have to, you know, sort our trash in so many different types of containers because one type of plastic, another type of plastic composer, and it's, yeah. it's like eight different, you know, little baskets you have to, or whatever, like system that you have going that you need to sort, you eventually put it in, in the, in, in, you know, in whatever container they pick it up. In. So our driving question there was, can sorting your trash be a beautiful experience? You know, so that's just like, and actually it turns out it can't. Like, again, 
the key word being, oh, we just got to make it real easy because then people actually do it and they're not having trash everywhere and so forth and so forth. But it, How did it you do it? Well, it was it was a matter of, well, we had a long process of going out and testing a bunch of different prototypes in a bunch of different apartments and then, you know, looking at how they used them over the course of two weeks and then looking at, oh, okay, so if we do it like this in this type of apartment, then we have to have little like fractions like so and so. And then we created this modular system that people could build according to what size flat they had, what kind of kitchen they had, what kind of whatever, you know, setup they had. So. So that was kind of a that was kind of a way nice. to to deal with that. Yeah, and it also fulfilled the need. Kind yeah, of. no, it, it totally did, and and of course that's that's totally a part of, of design as well. It, it does it solves a problem, right? It, I think it's it's um, but it does it in that way where it is uh, you know makes it easy. It's beautiful, and I think a third one is really it is regenerative, right? It, it really we do need to get that accounting over that threshold and make it plan positive and not just neutral. Um, yeah. Awesome. So I know that you're a generalist when it comes to design and is it better to be a generalist or why is it better to be a generalist than a T-shaped designer? I, I don't think it's better. I think it's different uses for different purposes. I think we're all needed, right? I mean, you you wouldn't have, unless you're a really super-focused, hyper-focused researcher on how to regrow corals, right? You're not going to get there unless you focus on just that. That's very niche. That's very super-focused. And the same, you know, sometimes you there's a new technology that comes out because someone is super-focused on designing that. I know people who tinker a lot, you know, and suddenly, voila, a new invention is, is, is out because they focus on that thing. So I think It's super needed. And I think what the generalists can do, which I think is also needed, is to help cross, cut across all the silos. And I think that's actually really important um, now because thinking across the board, thinking, you know, very diverse in terms of having, you know, navigating many, many voices and, and many opinions, needs and, 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 and realities and so forth, I think is incredible incredibly important for this at least when you do creative leadership which is my thing so so i think if you want to work with big complex problems you have to be able to kind of surf that so um so i think yeah no i mean i would be nowhere without the specialists without the the people who dive that deep and i do myself with certain things but 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 it's not for this type of work i think it's it's uh I think I think we're all we're all needed. Yeah, like it's about finding what you like to do. Like for yeah. example, I'm in marketing, but I don't really want to go the T-shaped way because yeah, it's so broad. I can do so many things, but if I focus on just one thing, like what can I do? I will run advertisements, <laughs> for example. But yeah. yeah, if I cut across everything. Then I can bring way more value to the company because I can tell them you you need this you need that you should hire a specialist that will be you know, on the creative side or someone who will drive the narrative. But yeah, if I focus just on one thing, ah, it doesn't really cut. So. Yeah, 
No, I think it's a personality thing as, as well, right? It's, it's um, I, yeah, it's a joy for me to encounter and be with both, truly. It's, it's uh, I was thinking about the, the T-shaped thing because I'm kind of, you know, just thinking a little bit about, you know, what is the, what then what is the makeup of a good designer, right? So, and I think, uh, so just to, continue my thought is like and it's a new thought and it's just starting to brew so I'm going to be thinking out loud but at least if you're a generalist if you're in leadership right you you are kind of per definition you are a generalist right because you do have to talk to a lot of different people right um, you have to understand a lot of different contexts so what if the, the the vertical is you your personal leadership is to like emotional intelligence. It's it's your social intelligence. Is how strong you are in your own grounding, in your own foundation of what makes you an actual a, a, a truly good leader that people uh, will follow. In the sense of of yeah, you you've got a clear vision. I'm on board. Let's do that thing that you say that we should be doing. I believe that you actually know what it takes to get there. And I know that you know that you don't know anything about what it takes to get there, and you need me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's that it's that interaction. But I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking about this new, new, new uh, method of thinking about the T shape, which is, which is, yeah, for the leadership. Um, like, but then it's it's your own anchor. It's, yeah. it's the vertical. I would say that's a beautiful thought, because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm on board with that. <laughs> I think it's good, no? It's it's yeah. um yeah, I'm I'm glad you say so because I've met my fair share of, of uh CEO psychopaths and you know you just kinda like in the beginning I'm like, what is going on with this person? Why is this so weird? Why are they being so like this? And why do I have to actually run out the door because they're being so and so, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Oh, okay. Maybe we can also, in the wake of all of this, the pandemic stuff and resetting everything, maybe we can also reset the type of leadership that we project into the world and become a little bit more regenerative ourselves in terms of of how we we create better environments within organizations as well, right? And and just be a little bit more nurturing in in, in terms of, of of growing the creativity because you can't grow creativity if you don't have trust. You really can't. It's not a competition. It's really about that you have to be really, you have to connect with people. That's kind of where, that when you, when you start to really do that, that's when the real juice starts to really flow. And, and I love that part. And then there's the other part of it where you have to, which is also, which is a mindset that I think you also have to nurture. And that is, um, well, critical thinking is being, yeah, all the conspiracy people are writing that pretty hard momentarily. I hope that goes away because it's an important notion, right, to, to actually have a critical thought and then question yeah. things, right? I think, isn't that why they killed Socrates? Because they forced him to drink hemlock because he was asking too many questions and he was being a pain in the ass, right? So at the end of it, they were just like, dude, it's too much, you're going to die enough with all the questions, right? But I think we have to nurture that as well. Like this, 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 again, having an open and safe space to actually enter the circle. The Vikings, they, they put down the armor, you know, and, and the weapons outside the circle. And then they entered the circle and then they had the whatever 
conversations that they had to figure out what needed to move forward in society. And I think a lot of indigenous cultures have that notion, right? It's almost like the creative process is the same. You got to check a lot of stuff at the door, and then you have to enter with all the questions, with all the curiosity, with all the the trust, and then think about how we actually throw creativity at specific challenges. Yeah, yeah but th- those are the soft skills that matter at that point because you can be great at something technical, but if you lack the let's say even the basic communication skills you won't achieve anything because it's about human interaction about working together like with the great caribbean barrier like one person can't do that it's completely impossible but yeah together when everyone connects when everyone works yeah hand in hand that's when the magic happens it's the only way i mean we have to it really is the only way. So we got to behave. You know? <laughs> we got to play nice and, and collaborate because this is not about anyone's whatever project. It's, it's about doing what's best for the situation and what's most appropriate. I mean, these, uh, just, uh, read again. This is, these are some of my heroes. These guys, regenerative design. I don't know if you know this book, nope. um, but it and the people behind it, completely amazing. Um, and what they, one of the biggest things that they talk about uh, in their regenerative practices is that um, there is no such thing as best practice. There is only appropriate practice, right? And I just think that just rings so true because one valley over, you know, it's a completely different situation. So, so the whole notion of going out and, and truly connecting to whatever context, listening, playing nice with people, you know, and, and having that communication process. And, you know, I would love if, you know, bringing executives as well as developers out in the field because that conversation, oh, my goodness, how fruitful would that be? Because on one end, they know what it's like to actually develop this stuff why it takes so long to create a successful product. And at the other end, they're completely oblivious to that. They just want it now, tomorrow, yesterday, right? Yeah. And, and they don't, you know, they don't necessarily understand each other uh, a lot. But if they met in the context that they were, you know, trying to solve a, a problem for, not only would they individually have their own stuff, reactions and whatnot, they would probably have super valuable input to how these problems could be solved. I I just, it's like the thing you enter a corporation, whatever the first friend you get is the janitor. It really is because they know what's going on, right? If you do design research, you got to get to the people who cross, you know, all move around and, 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 you know, see all the touch points, right? So I, I, I would love to create these situations where, where these people get to meet in the field completely equal and and then work on the problems together. Yeah, and that would be great. But yeah, unfortunately, it's not always possible. No, no. Yeah. You said that you were uh, thinking about what makes up a good designer. So what would you say? What are the qualities of a good designer? <sighs> Well, it depends on what kind you are, because one are craft. Like one, some, some, some are very rooted in craft, and then they gotta, you know, become very good at that craft. 
and then some do services, right? And then they have to become really good at what 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 is uh, what is needed for that. The whole research, the whole prototyping, the whole testing, and that. And then at the very end of that spectrum, if you will, maybe you have systems designers, right? And they it's a little bit maybe like the, the crazy people who think about projects like, okay, let's just uh, fix the Caribbean. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do that. You know, it's like, Jesus, lady. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's so, so it, it certainly depends. And I think, like, to your point before, like, spending a, a lot of time doing something and, if, if, and, and getting stuck in that, if you're in that T, the old T shape of thinking, like, I, I, I think you become a really good designer if you choose what you really want to spend a lot of time with because you're going to spend a lot of time with it. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, if you decide, if you decide, I mean, first of all, it's not a protected title. So anyone can become a designer or can call themselves a designer or that they're designing things. That's kind of the, 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 the verb of it. I think you got to, what makes, yeah, it's, well, first of all, or, Tenth of all, um, for me again, since I am at the more systemic level of things, and, and I do solve problems, like specifically yeah. big problems. Um, it's about listening. You really, 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 you, you can't if you if you're not hearing the people, then you're not actually tapping into any lasting solutions because if you're not actually you know, yeah. listening to what what's actually going on, you're not building something that they're actually going to be using. Um, so all the tools that goes into the toolbox of, I do think that design thinking, design research, theory, you all these methodologies that kind of circle the same. There's a chunk of discovery over here. There's a chunk of development here, and then there's a chunk of implementation over here. Like. But, but that's kind of the, the gist of it for most processes. But I think what is left out the most, and I think we need more of that, is the discovery phase. We need more more immersion, like less people going off to conferences and listening to other people, you know, talk about stuff that they already yeah. know. More people going into the field. And, and, and because this is where the magic happens, right? I've, I've, I've taken the executives out into the field and then having, with no exception, all of them saying, I can't believe how valuable this is. We now have three new business potential revenue streams that we have to pursue and look into. And they're like, why haven't I done this? Why haven't we done this before? I'm like, yeah, that's a really good question. You really should be doing that more. Yeah. So, so I think uh, for the type of designer that I am, if you can really, you know, take people through that process of creation from field work. It's so important to immerse yourself in that context. It really is. It doesn't matter if, if you're just kind of off taking products from that space, if you can go there, you could probably find a heck of a lot of new ways of making business that is regenerative. That's the thing. Right. So, so um, I, yeah, I love to work with designers who understand this and, um, who aren't caught up in the whole ego thing of genius designer. I'm just going to sat, be sat over here in the corner and I'm going to make this thing and it's going to be bad or nothing. 
which is, you know, I guess also fine. There is a market for that, I guess. I just prefer to work with people who have this kind of mindset of first we listen, then we do, and then we listen more, and then we do again, and so forth and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the, the whole critical thinking, like I have gotten in a lot of trouble um, <laughs> personally over the years because of challenging authorities, you know. Yeah. It's not, but not I everybody think it's that. <laughs> new, yeah. not, it's very, you know, and it's, it's, but you have to, you have to, because we have to change and, and we have to, it's, it's not about challenging people per se, but it's, it's about challenging what status quo is. If it's, you know, leading to something that isn't regenerative, that isn't sustainable, that isn't actually helping things or creating toxic environments or whatnot. So, so, and I think so, so yeah, the listening and then the, and it, it kind of goes, you know, ties into the whole Socrates thing, right? You have to, you have to be willing to not only challenge the status quo and that includes authorities, but you have to follow up on what then to do. And then I think a really important thing is that people aren't just um, critical, that they're critical and constructive. So okay. um, you don't just criticize something. If you don't have something to put in place of what you're criticizing, then mm-hmm. just say nothing. Yeah. Like be constructive. I... Like it's it's if you don't have an alternative to offer, it's yeah, you don't it's 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 uh it just you know, go away and then you know yeah, think, think about, about it. it. Um, yeah. It's it's uh but there's a lot of, you know, bitching out there and it's just not it's just noise. Um and it's not necessary, it's not helpful, and it just creates it's just fills the space with something that isn't moving things forward. And I think uh, that is the core thing of a designer is to, like I said earlier, is, is to, we have to invent what doesn't already exist, if we're lucky. I mean, most designers are reiterating and existing solutions. But we also have to take these moonshots. We have to take the leaps. We have to do not incremental, but we, sometimes we do, we do have to jump big. Um, and, um, and then see where that goes, of course. But, but uh, but I do think at the core we are creators. We create something, and and uh, that process needs a lot of love, like from ourselves. Again, that whole regenerative new T-shaped person, right? That I'm developing, I guess. Um, but you know that love of self, love of authority in yourself, love of power, love of of, of what you can cause in the world if you use it right, and and uh, because then that probably spreads to the others, right? Yeah, like I think loving organizations. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, like I think the problem-solving mindset plays a, yeah plays a huge role. Like on one call, yeah, I was discussing it with another designer, and we were talking that not many people have that mindset. It's not for designers, but overall in the society, like there are many people that yeah they just want to go to work, spend that eight hours, go back, do nothing, like. Why don't you look yeah, at and do they? I mean, really, are they are they actually truly satisfied doing that? Maybe yeah. they are. Maybe they're not. You know, it's, yeah, maybe it's, we are different. <laughs> I we for sure we are, and and yes, I know plenty of people. You know, I was talking with with a friend of mine who's a teacher, right? And she was saying so beautifully. I'm like, Elena, I don't I don't understand how you how your mind can do that. I mean, how can you think that? Um, 
And I wish more people did that. And the only thing I can do is to take care of, of, of you know, my work and my, my family, right? I'm like, are you kidding me? If everyone did what you did, I wouldn't have to work so hard to solve these problems because they wouldn't exist in the first place, right? Because she's like creating this uh, great family and she's doing a great job, of, you know, yeah, at work and, you know, educating next generations and so forth and, and being extremely great about all of it. And it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just, I mean, if that's the contribution, my goodness, yeah, you, you are certainly saving the world every day by yeah. doing that. Awesome. So we'll be wrapping things up and please tell me what would you, yeah, what actionable tip would you give to other designers or people who want to get into design, start their career and yeah, have a positive impact? I think again, this new, this, I'm going to have to do this now. This, this new teaching. Yeah. <laughs> That's our topic. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a cliche, but, but, but you do, like we said before, like if you want to do something that you're going to have to be spending a lot of time doing, better make it something that you like doing, right? It, 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 that, 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 that is, it's just so key. And, but then, and the whole thing about if you, if you do what you love, you're, not, you're never going to work a day in your life, that's completely bullshit because yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work even if you absolutely love what you do. Yeah. Um, you will have even more. <laughs> so No, it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's just work general, it's work as well, right? But, but I think, I mean, once you, it maybe, so even if your niche, like find your niche, niche, right? Even if it is the creative leadership, even if the, if it's the marketing, you know, crossing across the, the board, uh, you know, picking up on all these, you know, that, that is a niche, that is something that sets you apart and then really develop and nurture that, become very good at that. And then I think the whole, like, finding your power in that, I think is, is really key and owning it, like you own it, like, okay, that's your intention, now own it, right? And I, and I think that would be, that would be great because I've worked with so many people who kind of half show up And I don't really have the patience for that. People have showing up, right? It's, it's just not, you know, it's like if, you, if you're here, then you show up. I expect a lot from you, um, as I do with myself. And uh, I want us to solve this. And it's, we're not going to do that half, half asleep. So, so um, I would say be prepared to work uh, is, is, is actually because it is a lot of hard work. I mean, you know this. It, it takes a lot. Um, Changing things is, is not because you're working from, from nothing often, right? Because you again you, you're doing you're creating the thing that doesn't exist. So that takes a lot of like how do we what is it how the no how, there there is a lot of that going on and then you have to sort of somehow provide direction for others to then figure out what they're going to be doing with the thing that doesn't yet exist, right? Yeah, like I think so that it's, it's the very, problem is that. People who aren't in design, aren't in, yeah, in the creative space, they don't realize that it's a lot of work to think of something that yeah, will move the needle. <laughs> Or yeah. even if you want to create a basic graphic, it's not that, bam, it's done. No, I mean, talk to a graphic designer about creating logos. 
hey, you know, unless you really love that, it's just a nightmare because it is so difficult. It takes forever to get that right. You know, everyone has an opinion and their mother. And it's just, oh, it's difficult. So it's, it's, it's actually quite, it's many, it's way more work than people anticipate and budget for, which is a problem in, in many, many cases. Um, so again, it, it's good to have many, many cross collaborative, diversified work culture settings because it's going to help that bridging those language gaps. And I, I was just thinking another thing and, and, and speaking of that. I think another thing that you, when you start out, um, find your tribe. Like you got to find your people. It's, 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 um, you know, sometimes it's good to go to a specific course or school or whatever, because it has really good network or they vibe with you or however, right? Uh, like for me, I have now find my people, I've found them because and I found them in nature, in nature conservation and, and finance and, and blockchain and these things. Um, and I think we, we connect the way that we do because we think like nature. That's a super weird thing to say. But it's very systemic. Like my, think about mycelium, how it grows, how wide, how big it is under the ground, right? It's, it's, and, and I think the the way that we think about how things are connected and how systemic everything is and how interconnected everything is um, makes us differently responsive to each other, but also to what we're creating, if that makes sense at all. But I think at least just take the first part, find a try. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. One last question. Where can people find you and how can they connect with you? I think the easiest is to, I think my, yeah, my, my, my email and everything is on my website, isun.space. Yeah, we'll link it. <laughs> okay, cool. And, and uh, so my, my uh, yeah, feel free to, to reach out. Um, and uh, if you're on the, if you're on the nature, if you're in the nature tribe, but also if you're not, because I would love to hear from also corporate, you know, saying, okay, how do we do this then? What are the, at least, how do we start? No, that's a that's a beautiful that's a that again talking about beauty. That's a beautiful question. But how do we start? Thank you very much for today, Aline. It was great. It was really really awesome. And yeah, I hope we will meet one day. <laughs> Likewise, and pleasure, and absolutely yes, I hope that too. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Elite Crew, the software house that helps designers shape the world. If you need help with your project or want to consult technical matters, just drop us a message at EliteCrew.io. We'll be happy to help.